Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Welcome to I'm Listening. I'm your host, Anita Flores. I have a special guest uh, this week. She is a writer. She is a comedian. And I believe she's a fellow craniac, such as myself. Please welcome Reka Shankar to the podcast. Hi. How are you? Good. How are you? Amazing. Um, this is, by the way, our first episode cross, not cross-continental, uh, <laughs> bi-coastal. Are you in L.A.? I am in LA. Gotcha. And but you did used to live in New York, yeah? I just moved ten months ago to LA, oh. so I very much still consider myself someone who doesn't live in LA. Sure. But yes, but I do. And are you at College Humor currently? Yes. Amazing. Yes. Well, okay. So you are you're in LA. I personally have not spent much time there. Have you ever been to Seattle, where Fraser takes place? Okay. No. But I have always wanted to go, mm-hmm. even though it doesn't make sense. The show was not filmed there except the 100th episode. <gasps> That's really? the only episode. Because it's Fraser Crane Day, and they show all these exteriors and stuff of Seattle. Mm-hmm. This is the only episode that's remotely in Seattle. Cafe Nervosa is not a place, but these are all the things that I'm like, I want to go to Seattle. Like, no. <laughs> <laughs> powers are not real. Like, <sighs> none of this is real. <laughs> was it all filmed in L.A.? That I would didn't know. I think it was. I think it was just like a, a lot show because it was an NBC show. I mean, the crazy part is I truly don't know anything about Seattle and everything that I know of it comes from that show, which is weird because it doesn't actually exist. Anything in that yeah. show. It's That's stupid. I, like in the throes of my like, just like when I first discovered Frasier, I was like Googling Seattle like trips and like fun things. <laughs> Yeah, this I'm like it's like visiting the pineapple that SpongeBob blows in. It's like, yeah, oh. this is a fuck. <laughs> wow. Well, then I when I go to Seattle, I feel like it's not going to live up to the hype of a fake fantasy city. Yeah, of a fake fantasy city where the the, the view Fraser has from his apartment and uh, apparently doesn't even exist. Like <gasps> no apartment that view of the Space Needle. All right. Anyway, unbelievable. Um, okay, you're full of fun facts, which is good. I feel like any every Fraser true Fraser fan I meet has some facts that no one else knows. I mean, I con- I constantly bring up that there were two Eddies, and the first one was yeah. named Moose and was also yeah. making millions of dollars. A dog. It is crazy. I did not know he made money. That's great. I do know his son or whatever. Right, plays the next one. That I didn't like know. His- Okay, I think it might be like offspring of Moose that plays the next Eddie. Unbelievable. So I am curious, what is your yeah. history with Frasier? How did you get into it? Okay, so I have, I'm like beaming with excitement <laughs> that someone wants to answer to this. Um, I've always been a huge sitcom fan, but uh, when I started doing improv, I realized uh, I didn't, 
there were so many references in improv that I didn't understand. I've never seen Star Wars or Indiana Jones and all these things. And I was like, well, I don't really have an interest in watching those things. But something I do have an interest in catching up on is sitcoms I never saw because I love sitcoms and there's some I never saw. And I loved Cheers growing up and had heard of Frasier as like a spinoff, but was like, I don't know anything about the show. Uh, I'll give it a watch. And I made myself a list of like, okay, this day I'm going to try watching an episode of Frasier. This day I'll try like WKRP Cincinnati and whatever, whatever. So day one, I started Frasier and I truly, I was so obsessed. This was in 2012 that I uh, didn't watch any of the other shows. I just watched Frasier all 11 seasons in like three months. Uh, I went crazy. Like I just couldn't believe how good this show was. It was better than Cheers in my opinion. And so rarely is like a spinoff given as many seasons and is as good Mm -hmm. or maybe better than the original. Uh, So I was just like, so obsessed. I like, I, God, I watched it. Yeah. I watched all of it in like three months and then I rewatched it several months later, all 11 seasons. And then I rewatched it again. Uh, So I've seen the whole series three times and I just, I, it's so rare to discover something you love that much, like kind of into your adulthood, like feel like you get those ties in your childhood. So it was like, wow, I've rediscovered a whole, I've discovered a whole new show. This is awesome. Uh, And like, I don't know. Yeah. It was just, maybe it was just because I had no expectations for it, but I just like, I could, even if there was a dog character, (laughs) I just fell in love from episode one. Uh, Yeah. So 2012 is when I started watching it and I was just obsessed. I mean, hey, yeah, that's a very um, different experience than me because I also uh, loved sitcoms and also would say it's important to note that I didn't have cable growing up so I really was just living on sitcoms so Frasier I started watching while it was on when I was like a kid and I was doing the same thing I was watching Friends and Seinfeld and uh, they didn't necessarily have the same meaning but I would say uh, Frasier is the show I've most rewatched over yeah. over and over I have rewatched that show more times than I can count. And I feel yeah. like as I got older, it might be a little different for you, especially because you've been writing for so long. But for me, the the way plots would unbuilt, unbuild, build up in that show or build up too often, you know, like I'm in the future, I'm going to do an entire episode of this podcast just about best dinner party episodes. It felt like. As I got older and started rewatching these, it f- almost felt like watching a mathematical equation because there were all these things that I, I get stuck on where I'm like, how did the writers think to make sure that that was a part of a thing? I'm trying to think of a specific example. You might have some that pop into your head. Um, yeah. But like, uh, oh, like when in uh, one episode, it's like Christmas time and uh, Daphne mishears something and thinks that Martin is dying but he's actually in a in a Christmas pageant and she thinks he's talking about seeing God but that's not what he's talking about I was like how do you think that far ahead yeah 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 totally I always found that even within the math of like that show and how our house that comes are written mm-hmm. Frazier still surprised me like yeah in, in the way that like even if it was mathy like I've rewatched it so many times. I'm like, I don't know any other sitcoms that like would formulate an episode like this. Absolutely. So it's like really. I completely agree. I mean, I was a big fan of Friends. And what's interesting now is Friends 
And of course, I've rewatched Friends ever since it came back on Netflix. And obviously, hope it's it's a good sign. We realize, you know, there's definitely things that you could get away with in the late 90s, early 2000s that you couldn't get away with now. But the level, like, I think with Friends, the big thing that struck me was how homophobic that show was. Like, I don't think I sent you this article, but I found an article that interview David Hyde Pierce, I think he was promoting like a Broadway show and this was while Frasier was still on. And at the time, I think he had recently come out of the closet. But he said something that struck me, which was essentially like, yes, there have been a lot of like gay plot lines on Frasier, but I would hope that we weren't like making it seem shameful being yeah. gay. And I And I would say that was like a big thing that was on friends which was it was this like it was always used as an insult anything that Mm -hmm. had to do with being gay and I was like yeah so no I would say um there's definitely not another show I can think of uh that has such a specific storyline also living yeah yeah um but what I was going to ask you was oh yes who's do you have a favorite character Niles Crane all day every day okay (laughs) I David Hyde Pierce is so good mm-hmm. in that role like um I I just what like I don't know that show does a really good job at making like hyperbolic stereotype characters actually have depth to them mm-hmm. like Niles in theory is just like a germaphobic like anxious f- freak definitely a freak <laughs> yeah but like he has a real humanity humanity to him of just like yeah, living in his older brother's shadow and like just wanting to feel like uh uh yeah, like people are proud of him and like that he uh can feel agency in his life in a sure. very bad marriage for most of his life mm-hmm. and things. And I don't know, I just god, he's such a funny actor. He was immediately everything. Yeah. He's he's super funny and I I feel like because of the complex he had as uh you know the younger brother and he did have this uh especially like with Daphne there was definitely a tendency for him to be very you know timid that when he would burst out of it it was like that takes such a great level of acting yes you know you can predict you can predict I mean and also of course Frazier is a great character but definitely a lot more predictable Yeah. And like, it's so interesting to have two characters that are kind of these hoity-toity men, because like, sometimes, like, Frasier makes Niles, or sorry, Niles makes Frasier seem like normal. (laughs) Crazy. (laughs) It's absolutely crazy. And it's also interesting, because, like, especially Niles out of the two of them. uh, But thinking about like, I was a psych major for a brief period of time, like two years. And it was during that time period I came to discover discover that a lot of like people that are in or go into psychology or even psychologists themselves are just as nuts even a little crazier than the people that are going to a therapist totally one thing like one thing that I was like this isn't realistic I think both Frazier and Niles would be in therapy for Uh, sure absolutely (laughs) oh that I think see therapists I mean it boggles sometimes I get I also start to think about when the chain ends, like the idea of infinity, because I always think like, who's seeing my therapist and then my therapist therapist and like, yeah. what, is there anyone who's doing this job who's just 
immune to having to see a therapist because I personally would think if you're a therapist you need some way to unwind at the end of the day like listening to other people's problems all day I'm I'm too selfish for that I don't I I don't want to do it also where does the chain of confidentiality end like if you're a therapist and someone tells you something that's like super heavy and you go to your therapist can you talk about that I certainly wonder about that. And I actually just watched a crime show where there's a priest that's going through a similar debacle where uh, like a murderer tells him he murdered somebody. And then he's like, but God, I can't. And so I I also wonder that about therapists. Somebody somewhere has told their therapist they've done something illegal. Yes, I'm guessing perhaps. So. I feel like you've mentioned, or at least via email and possibly on Twitter, that at least at one point or now, you have something relating to Frasier on your Tinder profile? Okay. I absolutely do. I, <laughs> I, um, yeah, I never know what to put in those kind of like bios and profiles and things. And like, when you try to boil down your interests to just be like two words in something, I, I'm like, well, I love baking and I've seen all of Frasier three times. Mm-hmm. Like those are two very important things about me. And uh, I find it's like a good, it's like a nice, um, what, like a sifter uh, mm-hmm. in the sense of like, cool, if you like Frasier, you know where I'm at. And like, I've gotten some like, I've chatted a little bit with people on there about it, which is like nice. But crazily, when John Mahoney passed, mm-hmm. uh, very sadly, I got like three messages from men I went on one Tinder date with and we never spoke again yeah. that were like, so sorry for your loss. And I'm wow. like, oh, I'm to talk about something else. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, it's just so nice to like, I don't know, I love hearing when people are passionate about something, even if it's not something I'm interested in. Absolutely. And like, those things and like I could talk all day I love it so much you know what I think that's a really good approach having uh been on I'd say most of the apps uh especially tinder I feel like the mistake that I made in the past was not mentioning a show but I feel like I mentioned something about eating like food and that was a tough track to get off of like into a romantic transition like where we just start talking about like sandwiches and then like I just it was over like I didn't know what to do after that so I think I like your method um well also sometimes I get like especially if you say you're a writer or comedian sometimes you can get some pretty obnoxious stuff but here's what I want to know do you ever have like a dead giveaway like if somebody does uh message you about Frasier and you can tell they've seen like one episode I think uh Usually the people that like it will ask me like a favorite episode or something like that. And like that's good. People who don't really like it will be like, Frasier, that's crazy or something. You're like, <laughs> <laughs> or like, why Frasier? Or something. And you're like, You really want me to go into this? Why Frasier? <laughs> Tinder message. I'll get I did literally. I like went into it with some dude where I was just like, num- like number one. Like <laughs> And then you guys. And then you guys started dating. I now hope. Great. See, and that's a tough question too, because my issue would be if somebody did ask me something like that, you're not going to give a two word answer, which is what I'm always was always afraid about at online dating. I was like, I can't do four sentences. Then I'm crazy. Um, yes. Are there any like even now? I couldn't necessarily tell you 
what's the kind of guy that likes Frasier? Because I often stereotype like, you know, a typical frat bro has a picture of like Scarface, right? Yeah. So if some guy tells me Scarface is his favorite movie, I've already started to put him in a in a corner. Yeah. I have. <laughs> but I um I don't know if there's like a certain man that falls into that category because you've probably talked to more of them because you put that in your profile. So yeah. would you say that a guy that likes Frasier also has any other like um, overlapping uh, character characteristics? Yeah. There's only been a couple that have actually like watched the show a lot and haven't just like, I've seen an episode on the Hallmark channel. <laughs> um, and both of them are like kind of socially awkward. Mm. <laughs> which sucks yeah <laughs> I like meet a lot of women who really like it and I don't <laughs> find that they're socially awkward mm-hmm. uh so like I don't know if we're going to Frasier for different things uh like I don't go to Frasier because I relate to him of course uh, so I don't yeah so like the one the one guy in particular who had seen every episode he was like very awkward mm-hmm. uh and it was like I'm happy we can still sort of talk about this, but this kind of just feels like we're exchanging sentences. I feel no chemistry with you. He's one of the people that messaged me uh, apologizing for John Mahoney's passing. Oh, well, I mean, there's something so odd to me about this idea that like you went on a first date with at least one or two of those guys. They never got back to you, but then they felt like that was appropriate. To be yeah, like- I think <laughs> I think it's <laughs> I um. I mean, I've had that happen like on if on Facebook, for example, where like, you know, I went I went on a date or some dates with somebody. They didn't get back to me, but then they started liking statuses or like your tweets. I just unfriend them. I do. Because I'm like, I'm not here for that. What a weird way to be rejected. Like, I just I don't need to. I don't need. Yeah. I don't need to be reminded um, that you exist. Yes. Okay, so. We've covered your history. I would love to talk about this essay that you wrote. Um, <laughs> so, listeners, uh, Reka wrote an amazing. I, 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 she's laughing right now. I don't know why. I love. It. <laughs> I mean, we so should, we should be laughing, but she wrote a really great essay, asking the question: Why do people of color? Love Frasier. Hey, one day, who knows? Maybe there's going to be a whole class in a in a college about this show. You're going to be yeah. in a textbook. You never know. Um, yes. So, and as a as a as a Latina woman, uh, it definitely spoke to me your essay, especially because I know other women of color. Like one of my my closest f- like friend who we constantly talk about. She's um, she's Colombian, and one thing I notice about she the two of us is that we're both pretty anxious people and we've both discussed our love of this show and how it's one of those things that we just love to have in the background or something we like to watch when we like can't sleep and yes yeah I always watch this when going to sleep and that people think that sounds insulting no it's not an insult it's like so comforting it's like Coco it's just like absolutely oh wait did you just mention the movie Coco no, I didn't. Oh my god! No, I'm sorry. I'm, but that movie, I oh. meant like hot. But that Coco killed. Me. Yeah, I. That's why I watched it last night, and it was like, I mean, it was so incredible. But this is why 
this is why I resort to watching the same like five sitcoms over and over because often it's just too much of a bummer for me. Disney movies, <laughs> Pixar movies, A Handmaid's Tale. It's just too much for me emotionally that I can't deal with it. And then I just end up going back to like the same four to five shows. Oh, yeah. And that's how that's how I feel um, about Frasier. And it's great because it's also so long. There's 11 seasons and there's like 20 plus episodes per season. You don't get that a lot with a lot of shows these days. And you don't get a lot of shows that stay consistent. I would say Frasier had one dip in season eight, but like throughout remains like like you could kind of pick any season and I think you'd be good. Absolutely. Um, so. I went through, okay, before we get into the essay itself, how long did you write this essay? Or, or, or long ago did you write it? And uh, what prompted you to do so? So I wrote this the day John Mahoney passed oh, away. Okay, uh, I was sad. Yeah. Uh, yeah uh, I, I, because I, uh, yeah, uh, it was just sad because I, I kind of like to check in on like, sitcom actors from shows I like to be like, I hope everyone's still around and alive. And John Mahoney was someone I had checked on a bunch of times. And so it was really sad to hear that he passed away, uh, especially because like he was such a special part of that sitcom to me that made it very different than the Friends is and the Seinfelds of like, there's an older generation Mm -hmm. element to this sitcom that really speaks to me. And he's such a terrific actor. Um, And yeah, it was just very sad. And I, uh, had been seeing a lot of tweets on Twitter about uh, Frasier. And I realized, like, I was like, people always ask me why I like this show because it's so white. Uh, and I knew a few other people of color who really liked it. And I put up a tweet that was like, I will one day write an essay about why people of color like like Frasier. And a few POC like, liked it. And we're like, please do, please do. And I was like, huh, yeah, why is this? And so I just like went home and wrote this like 1,200 word essay for no one. Uh, <laughs> And also, I have written an essay about Frasier before. Oh. For when I was applying to study at UCB, you have to pick one piece of media that speaks to you. Oh. This is 2013, and I wrote about Frasier. Uh, so I'm no stranger to writing an essay about Frasier in a Google Doc. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was John Mahoney's passing that prompted me to think about it. Um, I definitely agree with you. There are certain people, actors, that I – think about them passing away and it makes me really sad and he definitely in fact the episode that's coming out tomorrow of this podcast I talked to Josh Gondelman about Frasier fan fiction which if you're not familiar with it I can send you an article because there's a whole world of it Um, but we were talking about um, you know reunions and I was saying I was like John Mahoney's He's in his twilight years. I don't know if he's really in a place right now. I'm not sure if he's in a, in a place to uh, to do a reunion. Though, when yeah. I saw that he was 77, right? When he he wasn't he, he wasn't that much older than Fraser than Kelsey Grammer, which like yeah. blew my mind um, and yeah. reminded me of uh, the fact that Estelle Getty on the Golden Girls was not that old, but they sort yeah, of was made her up older than. I believe she may have been, I think she was the youngest uh, cast member. Small, or not small world, a weird world. Okay, so I pulled some quotes. I'd love to get into them. There's like a whole paragraph about the fact that it doesn't, Frasier doesn't necessarily represent your experience. But, and 
and um, and that there's this side your idea is that characters these characters uh, transcend their stereotypes and then yeah. and then you said I did feel like I wanted to hang out with Fraser I think I could and then I could rest easy knowing wow that guy was a douchebag I don't even I don't even want to go to his dinner party there's this is something which other white cast shows in the 90s weren't able to do for me personally. Yeah. Um, yes, I agree because I also grew up on, I mean, yeah, all like Frasier, yeah. Friends, Seinfeld. I would right. say those were my top three, all mostly white. And you also, I think you mentioned later on that like you couldn't be friends with Rachel Green, right? Yeah. <laughs> so you couldn't be friends with Rachel Green. But you feel like you could be friends. Is there anyone specifically, any character on Frasier that you're like, yeah, we could in the show? I think I could be friends with Roz pretty easily. Um, I, I think I could be friends. I think Daphne seems, Daphne is my one sore, one of my biggest sore points with the show Frasier. I don't think they developed her at all. But she seems pretty amenable. <laughs> I feel like I could be friends with her. I think, I think I could snag an invite to a party via like Martin as well For sure. uh, 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 and, and I think I could hold a conversation with Frazier or Niles but just kind of it'd be the kind of thing like I said sort of in what I wrote like if they rejected me I wouldn't be like oh I'm not cool I'd be like whatever <laughs> absolutely I didn't even think of it that way which is the idea of like penetrating penetrating a circle of people I feel like you would yeah. start with the most approachable because I because totally. it's true. I feel like they're in this their own little world, Niles and Frazier. Yeah. It's hard yeah. to approach that. But I feel like if they would be more open to you or me, yeah. if Roz or uh, Martin liked us. Yeah. Why do you think that specifically the characters on Frasier were more approachable possibly than anyone on I Friends? I think because simply because the stakes were lower, like you're not supposed to like want to be Frasier and Niles. Mm -hmm. I think mm -hmm. like when I watch something like friends or Seinfeld though, I think you're supposed to want to be part of the gang. Mm -hmm. uh, and I know that I wouldn't be for sure. So it's not that I more likely to be part of the Frasier Niles gang, but it's kind of like, there's some TV saying that's like a good TV show. You either really want to be them or you really don't want to be mm -hmm. them. And there's not like a middle ground or whatever, or you're maybe oscillating between the two. Um, and with like Frasier, it's like, I don't want to be Frasier and Niles. They look like neurotic messes. <laughs> but so if they're not something I'm like trying to attain, it's like not, it's not representation and it's not not representation. It's like, I don't want to be them. They have like miserable lives. Um, and like with Friends and Seinfeld and a lot of other like white cast shows where I already sort of feel excluded on a like race level mm -hmm. or like any other level, appearance level, uh, it feels like more of a rejection uh, where it's like, yeah, Terry Seinfeld's character would never hang out with me. Uh, Elaine wouldn't hang out with me. She would like absolutely talk shit about me, <laughs> you know? Um, George wouldn't hang out with me. Like Rachel Green, no. Uh, <laughs> no, Chandler, no way. And so it feels more like a click. It feels more like watching a group of like mean girl type people. I agree. And also the weird thing about Friends, these are just the, the idea of like who was writing on any of these shows was not something I thought about until I was much older. So there's all of these yeah. now, because I will. I know I'm going to go back and rewatch Friends as a form of comfort 
again, I always yeah. do every few years. Sure. But there are the way they paint the three of the women in that show it's not relatable. Like there's like, I, I remember Monica, the character of Monica played by Courtney Cox has, she's explaining to her brother Ross, why his fiance at the time cared so much about how their wedding would turn out. And she started talking about how every little girl dreams of their wedding and they've been writing about it and dreaming about it since they were a kid. And it, I just remember as, as I got older, I was like, I never ever had that moment <laughs> and for, for fun I wouldn't do what the three of them did which was just wear wedding dresses all day they I never <laughs> thought like <laughs> yeah just never so I completely agree with you I feel like even on a, a level of let me pretend I'm a person living in their world I don't think I would have anything in common with them exactly and when when someone on Frasier does an equivalent of let's sit around in our wedding dresses. It's something much more highly unattainable. Like let's go to a wine club and uh, fight about who's going to be the next president or like whatever. It's like stuff that I'm like, that is not even in my purview. Like, in theory, if I have the type of friends that wanted to do this, I could hang around in a wedding dress all day. But like the stuff Frazier and Niles are doing is like not, I'm at sea level. They're like just at the moon you know totally. it's it's definitely beyond my realm of understanding yeah. like there's multiple episodes on that show which is interesting because they are notoriously pompous of them desperately trying to belong that's like definitely yes. a very big sort of theme of that show and like you know it's yeah. them trying to go to the opera then there's like several episodes revolving around the wine club and yeah, like at some point, like one of them gets into some kind of club and they like go into the club and like there's leather chairs and they're just, yes, yes. no, I've never had <laughs> thoughts like that where I'm like, yes, I want to be in this exclusive club. But what's so interesting about the way you just phrased that, I've never thought about it in terms of that, like, yes, they want to belong. And that is something relatable at its core, whereas in Seinfeld, I'm like, they want to they are separating themselves from the pack in a way that's like, or like they're like elite. They're like this high click and everyone else is like an idiot kind of thing. And when you watch Frasier and you see them, you're like, oh, they don't belong. Like, yeah, I'm just watching the circus, you know? Absolutely. <laughs> like, you feel like you belong more because you're laughing at Frasier and Niles. You're on Martin's side. You're on Roz's side. Absolutely. You know? And, and they're also, the way people are often, because as long as I'm just trashing friends, the, the sort of goofiness that you're supposed to attribute to them is like, it's not really goofy. I mean, you know, uh, I read uh, Phoebe's uh, Wikipedia page, Phoebe Buffet's, as, as her character. It's truly frightening. Like, it's just the fact, like, the weird, like, sort of point of her personality is that she grew up homeless and has had all these insane things happen to her and she stabbed a cop and you're like, <laughs> It's funny because she's why exactly right exactly and I don't get what Rachel Green's thing I don't she, she doesn't even have a thing Monica's thing is that she has like OCD but I don't I don't yeah. think they even gave Rachel a thing Rachel's thing is she's uh like a daddy's girl that got her credit card taken away sure. and had to become a waitress uh-huh yeah so relatable <laughs> yeah um but and I you just made me think of some of the characters on Frasier, the female characters, um, because though Daphne is not fully developed, I will say I appreciated the references to 
her family or even just these like random sort of uh, uh, mentions of just like the fact that she's psychic or that she had premonitions of killing their family. Like she hates her mom. I'm like, okay, there's some weird dark stuff in there. Yes. And I don't know, for some reason that added to the allure of uh, Daphne to me, for me. So I wanted to ask you this. If you could write yourself a character, write yourself into the show Frasier, how would you write yourself in? Like, who would you be? It's so funny because when you, uh, like, I'm thinking about this and I feel like if it were Friends or Seinfeld, you'd be like, I want to be Jerry's girlfriend Uh or I'd want to be like their partner. I'm like, ew, no, No I don't want to be Frasier's girlfriend or Niles' girlfriend. Absolutely agree. I was like, maybe I'd be like a cool neighbor (laughs) or like, I if they um did have therapists uh because like my, my favorite episode of Frasier is the one where he goes to see his mentor uh and yes uh um I think it's in season eight or yeah. nine and uh, I think it would be kind of fun to play one of their therapists like maybe Niles Cranes therapist or something that would be interesting be really- because you'd get to like I don't know I can just imagine I can't imagine what Niles would be like in a therapy session I bet he would be as tight as a fucking like (laughs) I could see that I mean I think for me I thought about this question as well and given that uh, you could relate to this which I would love to talk about a little bit later but given who I was thinking of what were there any Latino characters on that show there was Marta the maid who honestly I did love and I thought she was super funny and then a very (laughs) short but like significant storyline you only see him once but the former, I think, like president of their entire um, radio station, Joe Martin, whose real name is Joe Martinez. And then for a while, like just gets rid of all the programming and just plays uh, music in Spanish. Uh, And I thought, oh, my God, those were great. So so all I could think of is who's somebody I could go in and just be that character, except it's me. I loved Kate Costas as a character. Oh, the radio, the radio manager? manager who butts heads with Frazier. Now, I wouldn't want to be involved in a relationship with him, but I did love to see women challenge Frazier. Yeah, putting them in their fucking place. Like, like I was thinking about this as like, oh man, their mom is dead, so I couldn't yeah. do that. There's never been an. I don't think there's ever been an Indian person on that show. I um, have. Well, I think one, but not a recur. Like one of the waitresses. Yes. She, oh my God. <laughs> I remember. I, I wrote her down because she does my favorite, one of my favorite things that doesn't happen in real life where if your credit card doesn't work, you cut it in half. I've never, my card has been rejected. I've never seen that happen to anyone in real life. That's so funny. Yeah, that's me. That's representation. Yeah. I'm her. <laughs> exactly. You're her. I think that's about it. Could be the guy that beats the shit out of Frasier off screen in like the third episode in the newspaper that like gives him a bad review and then Frasier calls him out on air and then they have a fight outside of Cafe Nervosa. I do vaguely remember that. I also remember Tony Shaloub being, I think, ethnically ambiguous, but seeming to have some kind of accent that he doesn't have in real life. I was trying to figure out what he was supposed to be. <laughs> So there was an episode where Frasier does a focus group 
to find out. Yeah. yeah. And he plays the guy who works in the magazine stand. Oh, fuck. Yeah, there's. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I also remember him having an accent. Yeah. But yes, I do think if that show were to ever come back, I think you and I would have some great suggestions on how to update it. So I have another excerpt that really stuck out to me from, I feel like this is like NPR. This is like, I'm glad that this uh, essay is getting some time in the spotlight. I bet you never thought that would happen. Who, who knows what will happen next? So uh, a quote from you. The next reason I think Frasier resonates with many POC is a big one for me. I grew up in a communal Indian household wherein it's completely normal and actually expected for one's in-laws to live with you. My grandparents thusly have lived with me for my whole life. I thought that was yeah. really, that rang true. Now, it rang true because... I didn't grow up like that because my parents got divorced and I'm an only child. So if anything, hey, I hate to admit it, but sometimes I do fall into that like friends or family thing just Mm -mm. for the reason of like, you know, I didn't have that growing up. But it's very common. I would say in other cultures, I can definitely speak to Latin American culture as well. So like for you, it sounds like it was a bit relatable. Yeah, 100%. Like, I truly didn't know what Frasier was about when I started watching mm-hmm. it. And in the first episode, called it's The, the Good Son, I think is what mm-hmm. it's called. Uh, his dad moves in with him. And I was like, I remember just watching this and like sitting upright in my bed because I'm watching it while I go to sleep and was like, this is what this show is? I gotta watch. Because just like, yeah, I've grown up my whole life like revering elders and kind of like filial piety mm-hmm. stuff and yeah, my grandparents have always lived with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that really resonated with me, this idea of like, yeah, you're not just like trying to fuck. Like that's <laughs> not what this stuff is about, which is what like Seinfeld and sometimes friend, or most of the time yeah. friends felt like this is like levels. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, Frazier is a man trying to date. Cool. But he's also a man with his career. Also, he's a man figuring out his relationship with his father mm-hmm. who's vastly different mm-hmm. than him. Mm-hmm. Also, man trying to figure out his relationship with his brother like the the revolving door of like aunties and uncles in my house mm-hmm. throughout my life felt like much smaller in Frasier but just like yep and my brother's here like he doesn't need to announce himself like yep my uncle's yeah. here of course he, mm-hmm. you know like that just felt very true um and I really appreciated that aspect of like yeah how do you all that's such a more complicated Absolutely. story how does Frasier you know Frasier's ex-wife coming to town not just affect him. How does it affect mm-hmm. Martin? Martin hates her. <laughs> hates the ice Lilith. Queen. Everyone. <laughs> oh, Lilith is also really good. Oh yeah, she's um, great. But yeah, so I, that really struck a note. I had never seen like a mainstream sitcom that got a significant run that was like uh, really funnily written that had these like deep interpersonal relationships with the elderly. I like fucking love that i mean i can't believe i'm gonna use this as an example because i never watched the show but i uh often think about what is my ideal situation sometimes like in in a future uh where you know i'm like very close with my dad and i knew just from seeing random snippets of it on cbs uh that king of queens uh the dad i don't watch the show but what i'm saying is it's in an ideal situation 
where Leah Remini's dad lives in the garage where it's like yeah. he can be around, they can spend time together, but he's, yeah. you know, not in their face. So I, I brought that up because um, I feel like if you enjoyed being around your family, then yeah. that makes sense that you would enjoy yeah. this. And like, for me, part of the allure of a lot of 90s sitcoms, especially one like Frasier, is they're unrealistic in that it's a weird fantasy world where some something happens, some moment in time happens where suddenly you are tied together with the same four or five or six people for an extended period of time. And you just like go through all these experiences together with each other. And then it does become like a family. It, even Daphne, who, you know, nothing romantic happened pretty yeah. until pretty far into the show. And she very quickly becomes mm-hmm. like a real member of their family. And, and Roz in a way too. So like that stuck out to me what you said about yeah. the way you grew up because that's a fantasy that I envision. I, yeah. I think it sounds great as long as you enjoy being around that yeah. family or even like I fantasize about the idea of becoming really wealthy, having some, like the idea of living in a mansion without a lot of people makes me sad. And so I love the idea of like all of my close friends like my best friend my best friend doesn't even live in New York and it's like I dream of that like her living upstairs and like someone over here and my two cousins they're on another floor it sounds it sounds amazing yes totally totally here's another excerpt uh from your essay which is where you get into things that you can't necessarily excuse that are an issue on the show which include rampant homophobia the ogling of women's bodies totally true I mean all of these are true the uh I wrote this down before I even um saw this the fetish the fetish I can't say the word the fetish fetish fetishization of East Asian women by Martin which was such a weird weird. like side plot you don't expect where listeners uh if the, what I'm thinking of specifically is when Daphne has a friend come come visit and then he says, oh, she reminds me of the girls in Korea. And, and it's, yeah, it's very weird. It's super weird. It's almost like a different writer was in the room for like joke punch up and was yeah. like, what if? Because it felt just like, ew, especially Martin departed from his extremely like conservative, no, no foo-foo, like, uh, fem, feminine, feminine behavior kind of behavior mm-hmm. uh, in the first season. He like departs from that in a big way. And this is later in the series that this happens. You're like, ew, what? It's, like, it's very, very odd. Another thing I notice about specifically Martin's characters are that there's like at least two situations I can think of where like a woman his age is interested in him and he's like, ugh. She's an old bag. Like that happens several times. And it's like, it's very odd. Cause, and like, I don't actually know the age difference, but now I'm curious because he, he does end up with uh, Wendy Malik, who I know most from Just Shoot Me. Me too. And she's definitely younger. So she was the babysitter. That's what fucking great. That Ew. felt real. I didn't remember that. Babysat Fraser and Niles when she was 16. That was fucking gross. Oh. I hated that they ended the series that way because he had this relationship with Bonnie, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Was, I forget if that was her name. Um, the woman he was seeing for a long time and then he kind of just ended things. And that felt like, yeah, that happens. Okay. 
but for him to start dating Bonnie, or sorry, Ro- no, her name was Ronnie. Oh, I forget Ronnie, what- yes. Uh, 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 something, whatever. Uh, but like Sherry, maybe I don't know. Sherry, uh, I, I remember Sherry. That's what I meant. Yeah, he was dating her for a while and then just kind of ended things. Yeah, and Fraser and Niles didn't really like her because she's very like bombastic. <laughs> uh, felt like a better match and then it's just like ew this girl babysat for your kids and like while you were married and like ew that is you drove her home. you drove her oh he drove okay i <laughs> babysitter yeah she oh he drove her home yeah you know it's weird when i think of that like i remember when i used to babysit i i was always very fortunate i had no incidents but i think probably because i watched so much tv and law and order svu and lifetime movies yeah I'm always worried some dad is going to be gross. And in this case, 25 years later, he dates the babysitter, which uh, is pretty gross. Yeah, like those are the the weird missteps where I'm like, oh, like that's where you're like, oh, this is a 90s show. Like, totally. Not that that happens still because it totally does. But those are the moments when it shows it's like, oh, like this is like a regular sitcom. You also mention that. Cam Winston is not enough. Now, I bring this up because truly, I think Cam Winston is what the only sort of really truly recurring character of color that they had. I was a big fan of that character. Oh, I loved Cam Winston. And I loved that he seemingly was just like the mirror image of Frasier. Yes. But like better looking and black. Yeah. William Jackson... No, no, sorry, sorry. I was looking up answers to your casting question. Oh. Ryan Mitchell, yes. Ryan Mitchell? Ryan, Ryan Mitchell. Okay, got it, yes. He was uh, he was great. I was a fan, but I think that wasn't for many seasons. Yes. And actually, I will say, I often do not rewatch the seasons after season seven uh, as much. I definitely, that dad. Because. I think the Daphne and Niles storyline was a favorite of mine. I will admit, granted, there are so many good episodes post season seven, but I remembered that like from either season seven or six, there's an episode where Cam Winston is first mentioned, but you don't meet him. He's just described as the rival neighbor. So that makes me think, you know, the decision of who was going to play him or, you know, if he was going to be black or white or anything didn't come up until they actually cast him yeah because i mean there is something that's inherently like bleh about like he's just like frazier except black yeah exactly just- he's not yeah he's not very uh, he's one-dimensional perhaps <laughs> yeah but like god he was so funny and then they gave him a mom like like a live-in his mom lives with him uh-huh and then yes him and uh a martin and her hook up and Loved that's it. great I was here for that. I was so, so into that entire storyline. And I also just liked her as a character. Just, you know, strong. I was a fan. But then I did start to think about, you know, what were the other people of color on that show? There were specific moments I remember that I didn't think about when I was much younger. Waiters. At least two black waiters, like. I remember there's a waiter that brings champagne to the Winnebago when Niles is waiting for Daphne, Daphne's wedding to Donnie to start. There's a black waiter. Then separately from that, one of my favorite episodes, which is called, I think, Three Valentines, Daphne yeah. and uh, Martin go to dinner. And then one of the waiters comes over and 
tells Daphne she's beautiful and she's black. And uh, yeah, that was generally what I feel like most people were assigned to uh, people of color. Wait, staff. Definitely. (laughs) Yes. So so that so that started to make me think about um, what would be like dream casting if this was a show that was remade and there were almost no rules, meaning you could put a person of color into the role. Maybe you could change their gender. Um, so I wanted to ask you that, but perhaps I could inspire you with some people yeah. that came to mind. Yeah. Now, I don't know if you went through the same thing, but I felt it was a lot easier to start with the female characters. And one person that um, I really like is this actress. I think her name is Stephanie Beatrice. She plays Rosa on Brooklyn Nine-Nine. And in real life, she is queer. She's very open about it. And so I thought not only would I love to see her as Roz, but I'd love to see her as a gay character and just seeing what a different dynamic that would be and and the different plots that would come up with that. And did you ever watch this show called The L Word? by any chance uh, I know what the L word is I haven't seen it. well I won't ruin anything for you it's a great show you know the show is about mostly gay women and so all the roles like there's one character on the show who's kind of like a I don't know a heartthrob who's constantly you know sleeping with lots of people and everyone loves her and, and that was never a character I had seen before I'd only seen that character as a man yeah so I thought she would be personally great yeah into her Okay, so I started thinking about what if Martin was uh, also a retired cop, but a woman? And the first person that came to mind, and keep in mind, also no rules about do people have to be related. It's just all dream. We're just casting. Uh, I thought of Rita Moreno, who played um, Anita, which is also my name, uh, in the movie West Side Story. Cool. Yes. And she's like pretty badass, hard exterior. And she's also on a show that's on Netflix that I should watch. I don't know about you, but often if there's a show for me personally that is either got Latino writers or, you know, Latino people starring in it, there is a guilt that I feel that I must watch it. And Honestly, I just hadn't heard about it, but there's like a show on Netflix called, I want to say it's called One Day at a Time that I think is about a Latino family. And I haven't seen it. And you know why? It has, for me, I don't love all family shows always. Like, like, uh, and I don't know if they're supposed to be a happy or unhappy family, but like a show that my grandparents and parents loved when I was growing up was uh, was everybody loves Raymond? I can't. I can't stand that show. I can't. It's and, and they so clearly like the older brother of Ray clearly is like this miserable person that everyone very openly doesn't love as much as Raymond. Yeah. And that's something I love about Frasier, which is yeah. yes, is one of them more famous than the other? Yes, but I would say there's all kinds of stuff that deals with the love between. Martin and his two sons Um, and that's as far as I went with casting in my head so if nothing comes to mind for anyone that's also okay but I was curious Miles in particular you're right like the kind of side characters Mm -hmm. uh, were a little easier for me to think about because like with Frasier I kind of just kept thinking of Brian Stokes Mitchell like Cam Winston Mm -hmm. I was like 
it would be cool to see what that upstairs floor looked like uh, while all this shit with Frazier was going down. Sure. Um, Niles was like impossible for me to think of. Like <laughs> I thought of, um, I said his name by accident earlier, like William Harper Jackson, the guy who plays Cheaty on The Good Place. I thought could be a good neurotic. Oh, he's got glasses, I think. Yeah. Yes. yes. Then yes, that is a really good pick. Yeah. Yes. Um, I thought <laughs> like the I I personally would love to see more Asian representation. And I was like, who would be like a good Martin type character? And I thought she's not like the brashness, but I think she's so funny. Amy Hill, who plays Lourdes Chan on um crazy ex-girlfriend Josh's mom oh man um, you know I got I think I watched the first season so now I have yeah. to watch the second season to meet her I got it she's just a really funny actress I think she if you like I don't know what her character might be like tweaked as like I would love to see her as like a hardened cop that's like retired yeah. and like living with her son or daughter or whatever uh and I thought for like Daphne I was like okay who is who is like kind of a space cadetty type Mm -hmm. actor like that and very weirdly do you know Keith Stanfield yes yes I thought it would be really funny like weird deviation not weird but just like (sighs) a different take on Daphne because he is like so funny and spacey in that show to see him as like a physical therapist I don't know just would sound like not that it would be funny that he's a physical therapist but I'd be so curious as to like because I think he's just such a funny very subdued actor. I think he could really play like the space cadet that, kind of one. I totally agree with that because I mean, I think I follow him on Instagram and Twitter. And oh, also, I, I need a login to watch Atlanta season one, um, yeah. w- which is why I haven't watched uh, all of season two yet. But there is a spaciness about him for sure. And I'd say there it's definitely a a similarity between him and Daphne saying completely random, unexpected things that are um, very pleasantly surprising. So I could totally see that. Yes. And uh, I I just actually thought of someone, too, because I was looking at um, some article about Issa Rae earlier today. And I was like, oh, Molly, Yvonne Orji Mm -hmm. from Instagram. Mm-hmm. she got some like frasiery tendencies I don't know mm. who would more Nilesy tendencies she's just like very uptight in that shot her character mm-hmm. uh I don't know who would play the foil to her because I think Issa Rae's character is very different in that show yeah but I was like oh I can see her living in Elliot Bay Towers mm-hmm. she's like high strung enough she's very like anxious I think that that actress could play mm-hmm. it's not quite Molly but I think she could play some sort of neurotic sure take on phrase yeah yeah I guess it's 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 so hard to cast Frazier and Niles because it's like they're so it's like they're so central. They're ex- uh, they're extremely central. I'm trying to think if there was anyone that came to mind for either one of them, and yeah. I think Josh Gondelman came up with a good one for Frazier, but I completely forgot. I do yeah. what I do think is fun is trying to f- think of who would play Maris just in general. I, oh- just thinking about that today yeah and I, my mine is always and has always been lara flynn boyle that's oh, my picture wow. yeah i mean very that, thin very pale yes. uh i think she checks all the boxes for me <laughs> i mean it is truly so funny this is what's so original and crazy about the show when niles gets that dog 
that looks very gaunt. I'm like, that is exactly like what I pictured Maris to look like. Absolutely. Also, it's just interesting to see even like you can only guess, you can only have your idea of, of what she, who she is. So you get it in dog form and then you get it in the form of Mel. Yeah, who, exactly. I think you get your window into uh, what kind of person Maris was. Whatever the Venn diagram of Mel and this like very thin dog. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, I think we have gone through all of the excerpts that at least I highlighted. I didn't know if there was any uh, anything that you wanted to mention that I didn't from it. No, in particular. I just think overall, Frasier is such a funny show. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, my friends who are not interested in watching it often think uh, they won't understand the jokes because it's mm-hmm. so like highbrow. Mm-hmm. But I think the point is it is still funny even when you don't understand jokes because again, you don't kind you kind of don't want to understand why they're making a joke about a sherry bottled in 1967 or something. You're like, uh, you guys are aliens. Like, like, and I, I don't know. I like really like that about the show. It doesn't make me feel stupid. Absolutely. Uh, You know what you just made me think of. There was, there was another thing that I wanted to mention, which is, so do you remember this storyline with, uh, Dr. Mary? There was, uh, it was a radio host uh, who was like really funny and, and loud and Frasier was clearly threatened by her and um, didn't necessarily want to like tell her he wasn't like a fan because she was black. And what was interesting was like, you know, I've seen that episode a bunch. And then I thought about a different episode of that of uh, Frasier where he's in a very similar situation, except he befriends a guy who's in a wheelchair and he doesn't like him, but is afraid to say anything because he's in a wheelchair. And, and so as bad as the representation was on the show, those specifically those two episodes, at least for me, humanized him just showing this like insecurity that he had of like wanting people to know, like if he didn't like them, it was at a deeper level, not anything yeah. surface like that. Yeah. In the episode with the wheelchair, doesn't he purposely say something shitty to the guy uh, so that the guy is allowed to be mad at him yes. and not like he's like, I don't like you because I forget what he said. He makes it so that the guy wants to break up with him. Right. He um, yes. He essentially he says to this guy, Bob, you know, I think you're boring yeah. or something. And then Bob's like. I wish it was the wheelchair because he feels so bad about himself. And then Fraser's like, actually, it's the wheelchair. Uh, and then, of course, it doesn't work out for him doing that. Yeah, Fraser. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like brushes where it's like definitely an all white room with no um, with all like able bodied people that um, are trying to brush on a subject they have. They are far out of their depth for yeah. also mm-hmm. the Dr. Mary thing was like. I'm not really sympathizing with Frasier. There are no black people at this radio station. Which is, yeah, big problem. And also weird too, you know, you think about the way people talk, especially, you know, people of uh, color or characters that aren't white that are clearly being written by white people. So it's like, you know, that whole, the whole plot line or even the character of Dr. Mary was tough because there was like, you know, just a lot of times that she would talk and just things she were saying that were clearly like some white guy's idea of like a like a black woman, which was like very weird. And I feel like that storyline could have been better 
and more realistic yeah. had that character yeah. actually been written written by a black woman. Yes, 100%. So I think it had potential, but, you know. Hey, yeah. in the in the new yeah. reboot that hasn't been written yet, it's going to be a just, you know, every every race and gender and sexual orientation is going to be yeah. represented. And no fat Daphne season. Uh. That was the Oh my god. The worst way to cover a real pregnancy. They could have said she was visiting England. Oh yeah. Women in the past like she got back so I sent her to a camp. What? Yeah, no, that was Ew, it was it was so so odd. Um I will say I did really love the episode where which I think involves some some heavy graphics or I don't know how they did it where he uh, essentially Daphne is mad at him because her therapist after fat camp essentially says the reason you're scared to I think have sex with Niles is because he has this fantasy idea and then Fraser and Niles like go into Niles's mind and somehow they're like they're looking at old scenes from the show and I was like I I was very into that just as an idea. Yes I love that shit when Niles had to get heart surgery and And they're going through the hospital and every room there's like a moment of Fraser and Niles' life to get kill me. This show kills me. <laughs> oh, I mean, if we're talking about heart wrenching moments, there was also an episode with a side plot where Martin never tells uh, uh, Niles and Fraser that he's going to like the hearing of the guy that shot him. And he's like sort of built this like somehow friendly relationship with the guy's mom and that was that was a heart-wrenching and there is no like funny ending to that whole thing he just doesn't get parole and then he continues to be in jail and then it's like hard for I I and I I don't know how you interpreted it but for me I'd never fully understood Martin's reaction to it whether he was satisfied or you know conflicting because they put the mother in the courtroom for a reason to be like, look, I'm you in this situation. I'm a parent for sure. And I want to see the child. Uh, and it's a, like, yeah, I think it's one of those rare sitcom moments where it's like up to interpretation sort of like, Absolutely. yeah, which is like, it feels, yeah. So rare for a, like a three camera sitcom to do something like that. For sure. For sure. I could talk for many more hours. I feel like, <laughs> Uh, you know what? You should, if you'd like, you should come back and do another episode if 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 you'll do it. But I feel like you will. You, I will. <laughs> oh, good, great. You know, I think you would be the perfect person. This is something I've been saving, and I I haven't even um, like I have a bunch of recordings coming up for different topics. None are Niles and Daphne. I I don't mm. think I I want to really get into that topic. Uh, could be a multiple arc honestly I mean to me there's like I there's this I need to break it down as an idea but essentially I want to do like a cute or creepy and like come up with a bunch of stuff that he did or said or about her even before they started dating and think about is this cute or is this creepy um uh I want to talk about their relationship and how it holds up post season seven there's just there's a lot to get through a lot so I Sounds like you'd be the right person to talk to about that. Um, <laughs> wait, is there anything that you would like to plug that you have coming up or places people should follow you? Not, yeah, not, 
you know, to your home, but online. Not, not Nile style yeah. to <laughs> following. Um, you can follow me at Reka L. Shankar. So that's R-E-K-H-A-L as in Larry, S-H-A-N-K-A-R on Twitter. Uh, I'm also a uh, head writer for the Hardly Working series at College Humor. So you can watch all our sketches on YouTube and things like that. And uh, if you're in L.A., come out to the Reductress show, Ha Ha Well, at UCB Sunset because I host that with Janie Stoller. Thank you so much for being a guest. And yes, we'll definitely have to have you back. Love it. And um, good night, Seattle. Good night, Seattle.